Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. We have been going through the book of Luke. Uh, for 20 weeks now. We actually started at the start of the year back in February and uh, we're up to chapter 20 and uh, really enjoyed doing that. We've got about four more talks to go, doing a a talk from each chapter and uh, have really enjoyed doing the book of Luke. It's just a great picture here what Dr Luke has given us uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just to set the frame where we're going, uh, we've all ridden a very much an emotional roller coaster over the last 18 months or so with COVID-19. Uh, there's been highs and there's been lows, and very often we've watched press conferences, government press conferences, that have crushed our hopes and freedoms when they've actually enforced restrictions to try and put a, a, a lid on this virus while it's around us. And then we've also experienced some uh, highs as well when government restrictions have been lifted. It felt like Christmas days came early when we actually heard this really good news that restrictions have been lifted. And again, for regional Victoria. They've experienced somewhat of that again this week. Not for us, though, here in Greater Shepparton, unfortunately. Uh, We've probably had a whole range of emotions and thoughts towards our government and its leaders through this as well, every time we experience these highs and these lows. Sometimes we have been quite positive towards our leaders and our government, and I think there's probably been other times when we've been quite negative towards them for what they're doing. Well, we're going to see Jesus today in Luke chapter 20, A bit like giving a press conference here about government authority. He's going to be challenged by some people here to give a response, to give, as it were, his thoughts. And he's going to declare here the truth. They're going to ask him something like, Jesus, do we follow the government or do we revolt from the government at this point in time? Join with me now as we read from Luke chapter 20. And we're going to go from verses 19 through to 26 as uh, we read there. Starting in verse 19. Uh, The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, We know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to catch him in what he said. But marvelling at his answer, they became silent. What a scene, hey? What a scene to be there to actually see what took place then. Just join with me now as we pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this uh, great day. Thank you, Lord, today that we rise with uh, new mercy and new grace. Thank you, Lord, that we rise today with such wonderful access to your word. Father, we thank you for the gift that it is. And we ask and pray now that Holy Spirit... 
as we speak about today, uh, God and government, and particularly, Lord, as we think about the current crises and circumstances we find ourselves in uh, with COVID-19 and the whole vaccination debate as well. Holy Spirit, we ask and pray for your help today just to think about what Jesus is saying here and to begin to apply that to our hearts and lives right where we're at. Father, we thank you that you give us all that we need for faith and life through your word and through your spirit. We ask Holy Spirit now just equip us, open our eyes up, teach us to be humble, help us to be loving, help us to glorify you. Lord, we ask that we pray that in your name, Jesus, and for your glory. Amen. Okay, as advertised or seen on the, the emails prior to this, we are going to do some Q&A. So that'll be on our new platform called uh, Slido. There's a slide on the screen now for you on that. If you're joining with us for the first time, you didn't get that. If you go to that website there and click into Participants Code, which is Exchange Church, you'll be able to submit some questions and then we'll be able to deal with that at the end of the service. Uh, no promise that I'll be able to answer every question. Some stuff could be just way out of my depth and I'm not going to go anywhere that's outside of my depth, I'll assure you of that. Okay, one of the beautiful things here about God's Word is its comprehensiveness. Uh, God doesn't give us the answer to every single detail we face in life, but he does comprehensively give us guiding principles that help guide our uh, responses and decisions we have to make through life, and we do that to glorify him. He doesn't give us every minute detail of life, but he gives us these principles here that help us make right decisions that glorify him. We actually see that here today, perfectly presented for us in Luke chapter 20. He'll, Jesus will give us here some foundational principles on how state and God fit together. So to shape where we're going to go today, here's our big idea, and it's this. Uh, God's love and humility must shape the way we deal with the laws of God and the laws of the government. God's love and humility must shape the way we deal with the laws of God and the laws of the government. Firstly, though, before we jump into that, let's get some context here because it's really important to get the context in the chapter for why something's happening and the reason it's there for. Uh, Luke is recording the life of Jesus here for us. And in these preceding chapters, particularly the late part of chapter 19 and all of this chapter, chapter 20 that we're in, Jesus is facing lots of opposition and pushback. Surprisingly, it's coming from the religious people, the very ones you thought would be his supporters at this particular time. But no, they're pushing back on him. The chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and even the Herodians, they're bullying Jesus. They're challenging his authority. They're giving him a hard time. They actually want to take Jesus down and they want to get rid of him. He's upsetting their agenda for all these religious leaders at the time. And Jesus has actually just told them a parable here about the wicked tenets, the previous parable to this one, and it really is about these religious leaders and their false representation of God. And here's their response to Jesus, like immediately after hearing that parable, it's in verse 19 there, and it says this, The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on him at that very hour. For they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. What do they want to do? They wanted to lay hands on Jesus. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to take him out. They wanted him dead and out of their life. But they also feared the people at the same time because Jesus was very popular. So they did something else, and this is what they did. Have a look in verse 20. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They weren't sincere. They pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something that he said so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. 
So what were these hypocrites doing, these pretenders doing, pretending to be very sincere towards Jesus? They wanted to set a trap for him. They wanted to trick Jesus into saying something that they could accuse him of in resistance against the Roman authorities at that particular time. So here's the scene here we have. Jesus is teaching in the temple and he's upsetting the religious leaders of the day and they've sent these pretend spies to be, meant to be like sincere followers of Jesus to ask these questions. These spies come to Jesus with a question while he's with the people and here's the question they ask him. Jesus, is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? Jesus, should we pay the government tax or not? Jesus, now that's a loaded question. That's a really loaded question. The tax they're talking about is a hotly contested issue in the nation of Israel at that time. That tax is causing division right through the community. That tax actually was uh, the cost for having the privilege to have Caesar as your emperor. It's like a tribute to Caesar. That's what that tax is about. Caesar was to be considered as a god in their eyes and this tax recognised that privilege. You gave this tribute to Caesar for having him as your emperor. 25 years prior to this, back in AD 5, a man called Judas of Galilee protested against this tax and it was a protest, protest against Roman rule and the claim that Caesar is a god. He led a, rev, a revolution back in 18, for AD 5. He occupied the temple. He kicked out all the Gentiles from the temple. He removed all the Roman rulers. And that was this massive protest that Judas of Galilee had put up. What did Rome do? Well, they didn't put up with that. Rome came down and they crushed this rebellion and they executed Judas at this particular time. So this tax here runs very high in the memories of the people of Israel. And this division here that this caused fell into two sides. Uh, one side wanted to oppose the tax and oppose the government and the general community fell on this side because they didn't like the Roman government, they didn't like this tax either. And on the other side though, where the Romans allowed some power in Israel, these people were happy to see the tax remain because it meant they could keep some power underneath this Roman rule. A number of power brokers and religious leaders fell on this side where they actually could maintain some sort of power here. So here's this division through the community. The general community wanted to oppose and the religious leaders and power brokers would actually submit to this tax. See, this question here was meant to polarise Jesus. It was meant to push him into a corner where Jesus had no way out. Whatever answer he gave was going to upset somebody. If Jesus says, yes, pay the tax, well, then you're a friend of the Roman government. And then the general community would turn on him. He would lose his popularity and he would probably just fade away into nothing if he said, yes, pay the tax. But if Jesus says, no, don't pay the tax, Jesus, you're in opposition to Rome now. They'll execute you just like they did to Judas. Rome, don't take too kindly to people leading revolts. This is meant to polarise Jesus and push him into a corner that whatever way he goes, he's going to be in trouble. So what's it going to be, Jesus? What are you going to do? Are you going to lead a revolution? Or are you going to go soft and pander here to the government? What are you going to do, Jesus? Well, Jesus can see right through their false flattery. He knows 
It's a deceptive trap. He can see right through their hypocritical nature that's come. Jesus says, show me a denarius. Show me a Roman coin. And he asks, whose likeness or picture is on this coin? These guys rustle about and they sort of empty their pockets and they find a denarius, this Roman coin. And these hypocrites, these pretenders, these spies, they they can't help but answer the truth. And the truth is, Caesar's picture is on the coin. It's his likeness, it's his image. Uh, Then Jesus makes this incredible statement, which has become probably widely known, even amongst those who aren't believers. And it's in verse 25 where he exposes this whole situation. He says this, And he said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Really powerful thing that Jesus just says there. He's actually saying this. There are some things in life where you need to comply with the government. There are some things that the government has control over you and we are to submit to that. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But then he also says, but give to God what is God's. We owe our very lives to God as our sovereign Lord, as our creator. So therefore, our highest authority in life, above and beyond any government authority or any other authority for that fact, is God. And to him we must submit ourselves in all things, in all things. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and give to God the things that are God's. You see, what Jesus is doing here is giving us a principle about authority in our lives. Uh, God has ordained, God has planned, God has put it in his purposes that will be varying levels of authority that we must respect and obey in our lives. Now we see it here as a big principle, but further on in the New Testament, Jesus gives us more clarity here with this. And he does this through the Holy Spirit, through Paul in Romans 13, which Sarah so wonderfully read for us before. Uh, governing authorities are ordained by God. Let's look in verses 1 and 2 again at Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. So there's God, the highest authority. And those that exist have been instituted by God. God gives these authorities out. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, uh, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Whether we like it or not, or whether we like them or not, God sets up governing authorities. He puts those jurisdictions in place. He's the one who ordains, he puts these institutions in place. Governments, authorities, are one of God's means to bring law and order to the community. Law and order are good things, really good things. Without law and order, there's only chaos. God loves us and his common grace to this world that he's created is to put governing authorities in place so chaos doesn't reign. It's a good thing that God has done. In verses 3 and 4, the, the governments also are God's ways of bringing justice to communities. It says there the justice systems are set up by governments so that the poor and the weak and the marginalised are protected. Protected from who? From their oppressors and the corrupt who want to take advantage of them and abuse them. 
God uses governments again to put justice systems in place. It's a good thing that God does for us. And now Paul finishes here in verse 7, telling us how we should think about these governments and, and whatnot. He says there in verse 7, look at with me. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honour to whom honour is owed. What does the gospel do? The gospel transforms us to respect and understand what God has put in place in the way of governments. These are God's ways, these are God's means, these are God's purposes, and we are called to respect them and submit ourselves to them. We see that very clearly there in Romans chapter 13. Now let me ask this. Are governments perfect and all their laws good for us? Are governments perfect and all their laws good for us? No. Not all governments are perfect and not all their laws are good for us. Do governments sometimes make laws that go against God's laws? Yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, they do. Abortion law and euthanasia are two we can very readily think of directly contradict God in the way of sanctity of life. Governments do make laws that sometimes go against God's law. Well, then how do we deal with that? If we're called to respect and submit to all these authorities, how do we deal with laws or how do we deal with those things when they oppose God's law? Well, we see an example of that in the New Testament as well. Uh, Peter and John were out sharing Jesus and preaching the gospel. uh, And in Acts, they were hauled in before um, these authorities. So, hey, guys, we don't want you to speak any more about Jesus. With the authority we have over you, we don't want you any more to speak in the name of Jesus Christ. Here's how Peter responded in Acts chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. He says this, But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. They were told not to speak any more about Jesus. That's it, guys, no more. Peter and John refused to obey that law from the authority that was above them. And that is the right course of action. They did the right thing. We don't obey laws that are in direct contradiction to what God tells us, our sovereign, supreme creator. Governments are there for our good. They're ordained by God and we are to submit and respect them. Governments aren't perfect and they do make wrong laws at times. And when the state or the government opposes God's law, we are to humbly, humbly refuse to obey those laws when that takes place. What are the implications for that as we think about God and government and what Jesus is saying there about rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's, particularly as we draw it to today, right where we find ourselves. We actually find ourselves entering a very complex and challenging time with COVID-19 and all the restrictions that's placed upon us And also now the current vaccination program that the government is also beginning to ramp up. Here's potentially what we may see. The government may make laws that separated the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. We're already hearing things like freedoms for the vaccinated 
and restrictions still in place for the unvaccinated. Cafes, movie theatres, clubs, sporting venues will be potentially open for the vaccinated but closed for the unvaccinated. Certain industries we're hearing could make vaccination required or mandated if you want to remain working there. It's quite possible that airlines may make vaccination a requirement before you can board a plane. Probably mass gatherings, including churches, the government will say only vaccinated people can attend those mass gatherings. That's difficult. Why is it difficult? Because not not everybody wants to get vaccinated. So that means we are approaching perhaps a very challenging and complex days and weeks and months ahead of us with the community and the possible laws that could come into place. Very challenging, very complex. Uh, Let me say this. uh, The elders here at Exchange Church take these matters very seriously. We don't just sort of have a cup of tea and forget all about it when we get together. We're already having gospel-focused conversations, discussions, soaked in prayer, asking for God's wisdom on how we might navigate our way through this challenging season before us. We don't take these matters lightly at all. Let me just say here a few things about vaccinations. Firstly, vaccinations are not a spiritual issue. Hear me clearly there. Vaccinations are not a spiritual issue. Vaccinations do not oppose God. Now, we we may have a broad range here of views and opinions on vaccination. I'm sure we do. There's some people who think about this vaccination. They say it's of the devil. It's involved with the mark of the beast. It's the new world order that's coming in. Jump onto social media and you'll see that quite readily. The vaccination is something about the Antichrist. It's something from the devil. It's something that's going to be the mark of the beast. We have some people thinking like that. We have other people that are uncertain of the vaccine. They're fearful of the vaccine and they're not sure of its side effects. We have some people like that. We have some people who perhaps sit in the middle, fairly nonplussed, fairly neutral about it. Yeah, it's okay if I do or if I don't. Just perhaps sit in the middle. Uh, We have other people who are happy and confident to go and take the vaccine. And we have other people again who are vocally advocating for the vaccine as well. And you'll see that on social media as well. But contrary to what, what you might have been told across all that broad spectrum of views and opinions there, contrary to what you might have been told, there are no spiritual implications for the vaccine. If you've been told that, that there's some sort of spiritual implication there about the vaccine, all you've heard is somebody's personal thoughts, somebody's opinion, somebody's speculation. Often they're reading things into the Bible that just aren't there when they try and draw spiritual implications here into the vaccine because there's nothing in the Bible, there's nothing in the Bible that deals with vaccines. What are vaccines? They are a personal choice. They are a personal choice. And I firmly believe that they should be a free choice without any coercion at all. There should be no force put upon 
anybody to be forced into receiving a vaccine if they don't want to take the vaccine. It should be absolutely a free choice. Now, personally, I've received the vaccine. I've got no problems with it. I'm confident with it. I've done that for my own health and, and my th personal thoughts of safety for the community around about me. That's my personal position. I'm okay with that. Now, I know others and have spoken to them who don't want the vaccine for a whole range of reasons. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm really, really okay with that. That doesn't change the way I see them and it doesn't change the way I think about them. They've made a free choice and I completely respect that and I completely support them in the choice that they have made. I have no difficulty with that whatsoever. But again, as we think about this potential divide here that takes place between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, there's some dangers that can come out of this. Real dangers, I believe. I think it'll be real easy in this divide to firstly create a divide and then begin to try and draw spiritual implications into this divide at the same time in these different positions. It could go something like this. I'm vaccinated. I'm doing the right thing for my health and my community. And even in that, pride can begin to kick in. Spiritual pride can even kick in. And it could elevate us to a place of superiority over the unvaccinated. We can possibly think like this. Those unvaccinated, they're just spiritually weak and fearful. They just need to grow up and mature. They can easily pass through a vaccinated person's mind from a spiritual implication. They're just immature. They just need to grow spiritually. You know, from a place of superiority, we can look down on the unvaccinated as, as lower than us. What is that? That is a poor attitude that has no gospel in it whatsoever. All you've done is made a personal choice to get vaccinated. That's all you've done. It can go the other way. I'm unvaccinated. At least I can clearly see the spiritual implications here. I'm staying true to Jesus. I haven't sold out like those vaccinated people. Jesus, I'm willing to be a martyr for you over these vaccinations. Pride creeps in here as well. I'm stronger than those guys. I didn't buckle under the pressure. I stood the test. And we too then can look down from a place of superiority and looking down upon the vaccinated because they're so weak and they buckle to the pressure of the government. What's that? That's a poor attitude as well. There's no gospel in that attitude whatsoever. You're not being a martyr for Jesus by avoiding the vaccine. All you've done is make a personal choice, which I fully respect, that you're not going to receive the vaccine. That's all that's happened there. We can easily draw these spiritual implications here that just aren't there. And this is the danger we uh, perhaps could move into over these next few weeks and months, that we begin to build these sides here, as it were, and take personal issues with each other about this. Very, very challenging. Now, there'll be some on the unvaccinated side who are itching, itching, to have, as it were, to have an argument over vaccines. Bring it on, they'll say. Bring it on. And there'll be some from the vaccinated side who are ready to take the opposing view and a verbal stoush. Now, again, if you're on social media, you can actually already see that. Someone goes and makes this comment about vaccines and how bad they are or evil they are, and the opposing side just come back and they just bomb them with something else. 
guys, please, don't use social media for that. There's just no context there for that. Everything gets lost and the world looks in, particularly when Christians are doing this, and it just gives a terrible name for Christ, a terrible name for the Christian community. Uh, Social media is not the place to have those discussions. So how do we navigate our way through these really, really complex times as we think about Jesus and what he's done here in the temple? He didn't go and lead a national revolution. And at the same time, he doesn't advocate that we do everything the government asks us to do either. How do we navigate this time going forward? Here's the foundations that I believe that we need to build as we uh, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and we give to God the things that are God. As we, not, as we navigate this complex path here of vaccines and government law, we need these very critical foundations in place to shape how we react with God and how we react with each other. Firstly, we need to be saturated in God's love. We need to have God's love flowing in and through us as his people and his love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Uh, A religious leader asked Jesus in Mark chapter 12, what's the most important commandment, Jesus? And Jesus said this in Mark chapter 12, verse 29 and 31. Have a look at this with me. He says, Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Very comprehensive what Jesus says here to that uh, religious leader as well. Every fibre of our being, every particle and atom and cell within us, every fibre of our being is to love God supremely as our creator, as our Lord and as our saviour. Love should be pulsating through the very people that we are as we understand what the love that God has shown us. And then out of that love, we must fully love all other people regardless. If we have that love flowing through us, and if we approach every conversation we're about to have either face-to-face or perhaps even over the keyboard, that I love this person with God's self-sacrificing love for me, If I have that mindset, that attitude, that love within me, then I'll go into that conversation with that person, loving them as a really good listener, hearing their story, hearing their concerns, hearing their viewpoints, seeking to love them and build them up and not tear them down, regardless of their position on vaccines. It's not about that. It's about loving my brother or sister in Christ. Love will be understanding and sympathetic to their position and it will seek to build them up and not looking and not to be looking down upon them. Love will change the way we deal with our brothers and sisters who may see things differently to us in a personal choice. We must have God's love absolutely coursing through our whole person, as it were, soul, spirit and mind to love others. It's the first foundation. The second foundation to navigate this complex, difficult path ahead of us as brothers and sisters in Christ is humility. We must be humble people. Uh, James says, uh, says this in James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Through this really complex, challenging period ahead, 
we will need huge daily doses of grace to fight against sin that dwells within us that would want us to turn these vaccine discussions into prideful personal battles, trying to defend my side or defend my position. To receive that grace, these daily doses of grace, we need to walk in humility. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Being humble, I need to understand I'm not the fount of all vaccine knowledge. I'm not an expert when it comes to virology or immunisation. I don't have all the information at my fingertips and can readily pull that out. I don't have to win the debate or discussion over vaccines and in the process crush my opponent in the meantime. I don't have to do that. I can be really humble. I need to walk with the humility of Christ, working through me to love my brothers and sisters in Christ who may see something to me differently. I need to do that to love the people in the community as well. Humility, utmost importance as a foundation as we approach these complex and difficult days. See, to navigate this with God and government, with which what may take place, and we're not sure exactly how that will be, we need gospel love and we need gospel humility. I'm sure there's going to be complex discussions and decisions to be made in the weeks and months ahead. There'll be, there'll be things happening where we'll just won't know which way to turn. And if we're not careful in these situations, if we're not careful in these discussions, uh, we can allow sinful desires within ourselves to rise up and really easily blow up relationships. Really easily blow up and cause great harm to God's name and to the body of Christ unnecessarily, purely over a personal choice that we would allow this to take place. Gospel humility and gospel love. Here's my confidence going forward into this challenging period. If we go back to our story there, we see at the end of the discussion with Jesus here over Caesar's attacks, the spies left, as it were, marvelling at his answer. They were blown away by the wisdom of Christ. They left in silence. They were just stunned by what Jesus says. So here's my confidence, church, as I think about these times ahead. If we apply the gospel, if we apply the truth of Jesus Christ and his wisdom to our lives and towards others with love and with humility, the truth that he gives us and the love that he gives us and the humility he shows us, I'm absolutely confident that we can navigate these days ahead of us and come out of it a stronger body of Christ and a stronger people in Christ loving each other and loving Jesus. And what that will help us to do is not get distracted by this debate and take our eyes, as it were, off the mission that's ahead of us, because that's a great danger as well, that we get so caught up in this focus of vaccine debate, we forget about the mission of people dying and going to hell every day. If we get the foundations of gospel humility and gospel love in place, I am confident that we will become a body that's attractive in the sense of you've got something that welds you people together. What is it that is this hope that dwells within you? It's the gospel. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you today uh, for the good news of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, today that this uh, intersects with every aspect of our lives, every part of who we are. 
Lord, it intersects even today as we think about the coronavirus, as we think about uh, the direction the governments have now taken in uh, pushing the vaccination program. Lord, we know that this brings many challenges to us. Uh, Lord, there are a number of people who uh, won't want to take the vaccine, and that's totally okay. We are totally okay with it, Lord. We love them and we respect that decision, and we want to support them in that. But Lord, we also understand this could, cre- could create complex times ahead of us. So I pray today, Holy Spirit, you will just work deep down within our hearts to build these foundations to go into every situation that we possibly could come across, every discussion that we come across, Lord. It'll be like the, the big elephant in the room, as it were, the thing that we don't want to talk about, we know it's there. But I pray, God, give us humility. Holy Spirit, just build humility into our lives. Help us to receive that grace to walk as humble people each and every day. And through that we pray, let your love work in our hearts to love all people, Lord. Not to pick personal battles or pick personal sides, but Lord, to love each other and support each other through this. Help us, we pray, Holy Spirit. Lord, today for those who are struggling with it, I ask and pray, God, please just help them to come back and to just apply the gospel to their hearts and to their lives. Look to you and focus upon you, Lord, and to receive that strength, Father. Lord, we ask that we pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.